Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today we are finishing off our current series, When Life Gives You Lemons, with the topic of the message being Getting Back to Normal. We hope you enjoy today's word. Amen. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you so much for joining us this morning and giving us the privilege to come into your homes. This morning, there are people in many homes throughout our region and beyond that are joining with us. I want to encourage you to just give a high five to somebody virtually. Tell somebody that you see them on our feet. Tell someone that you're excited about them being with us this morning. We are truly looking forward to what God has to speak to our lives today. You know, over the last several weeks, we've been on a series entitled, When Life Gives You Lemons. And I know for many of you, you just finished that uh, phrase for me, uh, where they say, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. But my friends, I want you to consider something, that it proves to be a lot easier to say that than to actually do it in the heat of the moment when facing adversity. I believe that today there is a timely message that God has for you and I. I believe that there is no coincidence that you're joining us. I believe that whether you saw this feed or you're on a watch party or somebody invited you or somebody told you to join in with them today, that God has a word for you. And here's our commitment to you, that I'm not here to give you my opinion. I'm not here to give you my own understanding of things. I want us to simply consider the truth that God's word speaks to each and every one of us individually. So if you're ready for that, if you're open for that, go ahead and type amen. Go ahead and open your heart. Go ahead and declare to God right now, God, I'm listening. I'm speaking. I'm looking to you. I'm trusting you to touch my life, to touch my heart. You guys ready? All right. So as I said, we've been on this series when life gives you lemons. And as I said, look, it's easier said than done. And it's the reason why we've been studying the wisdom from God's Word. It provides us so much insight that it prepares us so when life throws lemons at us, we can learn to actually live on the sweeter side of life. What am I talking about? You can find good and do good and respond in an excellent way in the midst of life's lemons. You can make lemonade. And so this message is proven to be timely in the lives of many of us, and in light of the times that we're in, we've gotten a lot of good feedback, uh, a lot of uh, impact that this word has been making, this message has been making. I want to encourage you to go ahead and check out this series on your own time. You can watch them on Facebook. You can go to our YouTube page. You can also go on our website. Uh, You can catch the podcast. There are many different portals that we have for you to hear God's word. Well, this morning, as we wrap up this series, I want to talk to you on the topic of getting back to normal. Getting back to normal. As many of you might be aware, throughout this country and even in our our state of New York, there's a lot of talk regarding a new normal. The world we live in today has become completely different in the span of the last two and a half months. And as we forge ahead... Everyone is taking a crack. Everyone's taking a guess at trying to envision what normal will look like going forward. But what exactly is it that we're talking about when we consider what getting back to normal actually is in this world? What is it that people understand? 
Well, let me give you some insight from God's word as to what normal actually is. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Listen to this. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, listen to this. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I mean, the list goes on and on. But listen to what God says. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's not talking about people not going to heaven. It's talking about you will not be able to enjoy the life that God has made available according to his kingdom and his principles right now, today. That's not talking about in the sweet by and by. It's talking about at this very moment, you will experience a diminishing in the quality of life that God intended for you. Verse 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Uh, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions, desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And so I want you to consider this point, that normal according to the ways of this world doesn't work. I'm going to say that again. Normal according to the ways of this world doesn't work. Think about it. It gives us a laundry list of actions that are indicative of a heart condition. It's a way that is contrary to God and produces bad results. Listen, it excludes God. It puts trust in the sensory realm. What am I talking about? It puts trust in feelings. It puts trust in sight. It puts trust in how we respond to the the outward things of life that many of us point to as the reason for our shortcomings when in reality, we're not taking responsibility for what's happening in our heart and how we're using that to respond in the midst of challenges. It excludes God. It's driven by self-seeking desires, and it produces nothing that's good. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to consider that in the course of this current pandemic, there is a new normal that everyone is looking to. Everyone's trying to define. Everyone's anticipating. But the question is, does it really work? What's it all about? And I submit to you that it's an attempt to get back to life as the world knows it. And according to what we just read in the scriptures, normal in this world doesn't work. Because life 
after our carnal desires do not work. You know, I came across a post recently that I want to share with you. It really kind of spurred me on and got me thinking. Um, I can't even tell you who actually uh, wrote this, but it was uh, put somewhere in a community, and it says, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequity, exhaustion, depletion, extraction. We should not long to return, my friends. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. Now, what I love about that quote is that it literally gets to the heart of what we call normal in this world, what people look to as normal. And normal, according to this world, isn't normal at all. It's not normal because it's not according to the norms of how God created you and what he intended for your life. On the other hand, normal, according to the ways of Christ, does work. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We just read that. The fact that you have the potential and power for this fruit to come forth from your life indicates that there are seeds in you and I that are waiting to bring forth life. Don't miss this point. God has deposited all this great fruit in you, and it's in the form of seeds. He's placed within you everything that you need to navigate the challenges you face. But you have to unlock the seeds within you. And so we've got to really consider where normal begins in the kingdom of God. And the key to unlock the life in the seeds that you contain depends on the one you choose to follow. I'm going to say that again because it's an important point for us to consider. The key to unlock the life in the seeds you contain, those within you, depend on the one you choose to follow. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let's look to Romans chapter 8 verses 10 through 13. Listen to what the scripture says. But if Christ is in you, then even though you are, your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Listen to verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Listen to what God's desire is for your life and mine. For the entire world, it's that we would live, that we would enjoy a quality of life 
that is so much greater than the surface level experience of what we've been conditioned to, what we've been taught, what we know, the opinions of people. See, the power to produce life in these mortal bodies, according to Scripture, is according to that which God is working in you and I. Get this. Your physical body is subject to the power of a sinful nature. What am I talking about when I say that? Literally what I'm saying is this. This is what the Scripture is depicting. That while you as a child of God, if you know Christ as your Lord, while you know God and you are alive unto God, there is a part of you that remembers your past. If I say to you the word chocolate, some of you right now are salivating. You're planning on throwing some chocolate syrup on your breakfast, on your waffles. You're thinking about an ice cream that has a bunch of chocolate and walnuts in it. Your, your mind is going there. See, the reason why you begin to salivate and you begin to crave it is because you've already had the experience with chocolate at one point. And what the scripture reveals here is that in the same way, there is a portion to you as a Christian that remembers an old nature, an old system of thinking and belief. And because you remember and you crave it, you therefore have the potential to produce dying results according to what you have known previously. See, you can always choose to be selfish. You can always choose to tear people down. You can always choose to lie and cheat. You can choose to serve money instead of God. But does it produce life? And see, that brings us to this critical juncture, this point of decision that you don't have to settle for that life because while your flesh, your carnal experience draws you to remember your past sinful nature, in you is the Spirit of God that provides you the power to live a new way of life. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. What we're seeing here is that the word of God that you're hearing right now, the word that has been deposited into your life at this very point even, maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but there's a witness in you right now that's recognizing, man, there's something greater with God. There is something that God is doing in your heart right now at this moment. And what I want you to see is that what God is doing and what God has made available to all men is equated to a seed that cannot decay. It cannot die. It is not subject to corruption. But what good is this seed if we never make the choice to take the action necessary for it to produce life? Listen, the truth is that there are some people today that approach life this way. They say, I have nothing but dirt all around me and an apple or, a, or an orange or a pear. There's nothing I can do with this. All I've got is dirt and this one piece of fruit. But conversely, there are others that approach life this way. They say, I have everything. I have all the dirt and seeds that I need 
to produce my harvest. God created you, my friend, for a harvest. And so the Bible gives us uh, the account from the life of a man named Paul who was once known as Saul. This guy Saul was on a mission. His name was Saul before he had a life-changing experience with Jesus. But at that juncture of his life, before he knew Christ, he believed that he was a vessel for God. He believed that he was meant to destroy all people who were following a different way from what he had been taught belief in God was all about. It was, he was against and he was pursuing people that believed contrary to his own belief. And the people that he was pursuing were people known as Christians. They were following after what in those days was known as the way, or in other words, they were following after Jesus. And because they did not follow the religious restrictions and ritual that Saul had come to know as truth in his own understanding, Saul persecuted them unto death. Listen, he was, I mean, diligent about chasing down Christians wherever he could find them and participating in casting his vote for them to die or at some point even participating in the process of them dying himself. And so one time while en route on a road uh, to a place called Damascus, Saul had an encounter with Jesus. The scriptures tell us in Acts chapter 9, and I don't have time to dig into the whole story, but I'll just give you some background. Um, Saul gets, uh, he's on this road, and while he's on this road, the Bible says that all of a sudden a light shines down from heaven. And when this light shines down, um, he, it knocks him off, uh, off, off his animal. You know, it knocks him uh, uh, off his feet, and he's on the ground, and this guy Saul begins to hear a voice. And everyone around him hears this voice, but only Saul sees this light. And the Bible tells us that he heard this voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the Bible says that Saul uh, responded by saying, who are you, Lord? He begins to question who's speaking to him. And the scriptures say that Jesus responds to him and says, I am Jesus. I'm the one that you've been persecuting all this time. At that point, Saul realizes something. He realizes that he had been persecuting the one that they claimed to be the son of God. And the Bible says that at that point, Jesus tells him, get up, go now. And his friends who were with him pick him up. And, uh, when he gets up, Jesus tells him, you're going to go to a certain place and you're going to meet a servant of mine named Ananias. And he's going to give you instruction on what you're to do from this point forward. But the thing is that when he got up, he no longer had sight. He was blinded. And the Bible says that he eventually gets to this man Ananias' home, and when he gets there, Ananias uh, gives him a message from God and prays for him. And the Bible says that Saul responded in faith. From his eyes fell off what looked like scales. Listen to Acts chapter 9, verses 18 through 19. It says, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, and watch this, he was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. You can't miss this point. 
Paul came to a place of conversion. He believed in Jesus, and his eyes were truly open. And so as a result, the scriptures give us great evidence that Saul shifted from a life of following after his own ideas and what religion had taught him to following Christ. And two-thirds of the New Testament reveal to what great extent his eyes were open to the truth. Paul went on to do great things with his life and reach many people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as such, I believe that it's worth exploring what Paul came to see as normal after his eyes were open, it's important for us to see what life really is for you and I. And so for the next couple of moments, I want us to examine a couple of portions of Scripture uh, that reveal and bring about the great insight that Paul received about life in the face of challenges. And the very first one that I want to start off with, comes out of Galatians chapter 2, but I want to make this point before we go there. I want you to understand that life is not what it seems. When we're talking about getting back to normal, I want you to consider that life is not what it seems. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 through 21, we read the words of Paul by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and listen to what he says. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Now, While being alive in bodily form, right, like us, Paul reveals something. He discovered a new life. It was the life of Christ. And thus, he says, man, the life that I now live, I no longer live according to what I understood, according to what I thought life was all about. He says, I now live according to the life of Christ. In other words... I'm following his way. I now see it through his eyes. I now understand it according to God's truth. In other words, he says, it's no benefit to me to live according to the system of life that I once knew. In fact, he says this. He says, I now live by faith. And my faith draws me to trust and believe in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, you can live in this world and not live at all. You can live in this world and not live at all. It's just life as we all know it. We do what everyone does. We believe according to the norms of this world. We react the way we've been taught. But in that process, in that way of life, what we disregard is a greater life. It's the life of Christ available to each and every one of us. Let me give you an example of what I mean here. You can look at this apple. And for many of you, if I were to ask you what do you see, you would go, duh, an apple, right? It's not rocket science. You see an apple. Or you can look at this apple and you can see 
apples. I want you to notice the difference, and I want you to follow what I'm saying here. See, for some of us, all we see is this apple. But then for some of us, what we see is the potential in this apple. We see something greater. We see the seeds. And if you focus on these seeds, what you begin to realize is this. You begin to realize that there's more to this apple than just the surface. There's more than just the outward benefit and experience that I get from taking a bite, from enjoying the taste of it. Some of you, you eat an apple and you spit out the seeds. They're of no use to you. But what if you saw it differently? What if you considered that each and every one of those seeds is a harvest of fruit meant to to bless you and to touch the lives of others? See, you can look at this apple and simply see an apple. Or you can look at this apple and see apples, orchards, and a harvest. The reason why I share that with you is because Paul came to understand a great mystery. See, there is a greater potential for life through Christ who now lives in you. He chose to dig deeper than what he saw. Paul was not satisfied with surface-level living. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, uh, drawn. He, he, he no longer felt or saw the need to, to just live life according to what he had experienced. And that brings us to a great question for personal reflection. I want you to think about this. Are you willing to dig deeper than the surface of your life? Are you willing to go further than what you know? See, it all begins by grasping the power of God's grace and your new nature in righteousness. Paul understood that the reason why there was a better life was because God had done something better for all humanity. And he alludes to the grace of God. And he says, I no longer, he says, I can't set aside this favor of God, this goodness of God, this love of God. By it, I've been made righteous. I've gained something greater. He says this, Christ, if, if, if you choose to live life on the surface level, he says, it's as if Christ died for nothing. Why? Because you're not getting past the surface. And so you see, life is not what it seems. Life is not the surface level experience that we relate uh, 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 our, our sense of belonging and existing through. Life is so much more. Life is the life of Christ. Which leads me to my next point from the words of Paul. And it's this, that to be carnally minded is to be spiritually dead. Let me tell you what I mean by that. To live according to your senses, to what you perceive according to your experiences, right? Your, what you see, what you touch, what you hear, what you taste, what you, right, right, right. All these outward sensory uh, receptors that we have. To live according to those senses is not to live at all. Listen to Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 7. Listen to what he says. He says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, 
the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. You know, I'm thinking now, I recently had to undergo an online driver's safety training to reduce my insurance uh, rate. And during this training, I learned about the importance of being present while driving. I forget the term, but let me, let me describe it to you this way. Have you ever found yourself uh, driving while thinking? I know what somebody just thought when you heard me say that statement. Duh, I'm thinking all the time. Of course I've done that. But what I'm talking about is when you're thinking while you're driving and all of a sudden you no longer see the road. Somehow you're still driving down the road, you're still navigating, but your thoughts have taken you somewhere else. For some of us, we've had the experience where while thinking while driving and being present somewhere else, we all of a sudden come to a screeching halt, right? It's like you slam the brakes because you realize that you're about to crash, This is exactly what the scriptures are referring to. Listen, it is very possible that while being a child of God, while believing in Christ, while being a Christian, you can live with mindsets that are driven by carnal desires. What feels right as opposed to what faith calls for. By impulses, and desires as opposed to decisions based on our devotion to God. Listen, you must understand that to live this way is a death sentence. You know, if you drive long enough with your imagination carrying you somewhere else while you're driving, if you begin to kind of just go way out there and you're like in Aruba sitting on a beach somewhere, right, enjoying the sun and you're driving At some point, if you continue to drive that way while, quote-unquote, thinking carnally, you're going to crash. You're going to have a bad experience. You're going to get results that you never envisioned nor intended. And see, the thing about it is that God is trying to save you and I from those catastrophes. God's trying to avert us from the afflictions that sometimes we impose upon ourselves. God is trying to save us heartache. He's trying to get us to a place in life where we understand that's not normal for you. I have something better for your life. And so as I said, you have to understand that to live this way is a death sentence. It kills the leading, the power, and the purposes of God by robbing you of the life that God is attempting to reveal to you. Listen, when life throws you lemons, and it will, when it gets hard, you have to understand that in you resides, according to what we read in the Scriptures, life and peace. And how you orient your thought life will determine the quality of of your life experience. Let me encourage you with this thought. Don't kill your potential for life and peace. 
you know, many of the results that we get in life, the undesirable results, the challenges that we undergo, if we're honest with ourselves, many of those challenges are self-inflicted. I don't know about you, but I have no desire to pick up a knife and stab myself. I have no desire to purposely smash a toe or break a bone. And while that may sound silly and it's corny, I want you to think about something. That for some of us, it's literally what we're doing to our lives. We are self-inflicting wounds, hurts, hang-ups, damage. We're destroying the life that God has promised us and is available to us right now. And what we're doing is we're suffering because we're choosing independently of what God desires for us, life and peace. The next point that I want to share with you is that the strength you need is a work of God in you. Oftentimes, we spend a lot of time strengthening ourselves. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We read good books. Nothing wrong with that. We expand our capacity of knowledge. Nothing wrong with that. We physically develop ourselves. That's great. We surround ourselves with people that challenge us and help us and spur us to be better. Nothing wrong with any of these things. But you can spend a lifetime strengthening yourself and not be any stronger. Listen to what Paul reveals to us about this new life, this norm that God has for us. From Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Listen. Paul knew all about doing things in your own strength prior to Christ. And it led him to grave error and faulty results. But Paul came to understand life according to the Spirit, according to God's ways. And what one of the things that he teaches us from these verses is that our strength is not built upon our efforts to be strong. Mm-mm. See, strength is a byproduct of our dependence upon God. You know what I love about these verses? That as Paul writes about the work of God to strengthen us in our inward man through the power of his spirit, we find Paul saying that he's praying for them while on his knees. My friend, as long as you lead your life on your knees before God, you'll always be able to stand. I'm going to say that again. When you lead your life on your knees before God, when that's your posture before God, that's your heartbeat, that's the way you experience life in dependence upon God, 
you will always find yourself standing in the midst of adversity and in life. So if you're going to make any effort to become stronger, you must devote yourself to knowing the strength of God that's at work in you. He's doing an inward work that blesses your outward experience. The last point that I want to leave you with here as we close is that God's ways become our norm by the choices we make. You might find yourself saying, well, you know, all I know is what I've been taught. All I know is what I've experienced. All I know is what I see. All I know is what I feel. All I know is what's happening in my life. My friend, what you're experiencing comes as a result of your choices. We all make them. Doesn't make you a bad person. Doesn't make you faulty. We all make choices. But the question is, are the choices you're making in line with the choice that God has for you? A new life. A better life. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, listen to what he says, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. See, there is not one person who does not desire some of these great things that God's word promises. None of us, there's not any one of us that can't use a little bit more mercy. Can't use a little bit more humility or meekness or kindness. Or the ability to endure in the midst of the suffering of life at times. There's not one of us that can't forgive a little bit more or experience forgiveness on our part. See, we all need these these things in our lives. We all need this fruit to work in our lives. But I want you to notice something. That to be merciful, you have to first make the choice to extend mercy. To be kind, you first have to make the choice that it's better to operate in kindness. To be humble is a daily choice. And so, see... If we consider what the scripture is telling us here, it reveals to us something very powerful. That each and every one of these things is a choice. And God reveals that to us by two simple words. He says, put on tender mercies. Put on kindness. Put on humility and meekness and long-suffering. Put on this attitude of bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And not complaining. See, these words do not simply depict the act of putting on something like clothing. In the original language, it literally depicts the act of sinking into 
something and becoming endued, overcome, empowered, becoming one with something as a result of that choice. And it isn't until you make the choice to respond in mercy that mercy can begin its perfect work in you. It isn't until you choose kindness that it becomes a work in you. And it isn't until you do what the Word of God says that you let the Word of God dwell in you richly. It isn't until then that you can release the power of God's love that you have been endued with in all areas of your life. My friends, we may be living in trying times, and many people are pondering, how do we get back to normal? I want you to see that normal, according to the ways of this world system, is not normal at all. Normal is the way that God has predestined for you. God invites you and I into a personal relationship with God. It's a relationship that invites us to live past the lemons of life, to experience the sweeter side of life, where we can respond in the face of adversity and experience better results. Friends, I'm here to tell you today that as we face the realities of the world that we live in, we can examine the scriptures and we can discover a new and better normal. One that's defined by God's work in you. One that brings you to the place of making lemonade instead of struggling with lemons. I pray that today you've been encouraged, that you've been blessed, and that you see that God has a better way. Hey, friends and family, thanks again so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that God spoke to you directly through this message. And if he did, we want to know. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can even give us a call at the office to let us know how God spoke to you. Don't forget to also share this message with a friend, a co-worker. Share it on your social media stories. You never know who in your life may be blessed by this word. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast, and we'll see you next week.